Hi, this is Sean. I'm Liv. And welcome to Case Closed? Question mark? We talked a little bit last episode. I'm taking over research, which means these episodes are going to get much longer um, because I don't stop. Can't <laughs> stop, won't stop. <laughs> and then you add in talk time. It's kind of hard. Sorry. I'm yeah. just getting back to because I talk a lot anyway. Eventually, guys, we're going to have our own mics and with headphones and the whole shebang, but right now we don't. So yeah. we've got to rearrange. Good yeah. looking. I'm just like... Don't look at my page. <laughs> My page is on the TV screen. I gotta look at something. You gotta not look at that. I'm gonna turn your chair around or something. Um, okay, so do you wanna jump right into it or do we have some business to talk about first? Mm. Or are we doing business at the end? We'll do business at the end. That's fine. Okay, cool. Alright, so do you want to recap? I'll give you a little quiz on what we talked about last week. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you said you were gonna give me a quiz. Yeah, so this is your quiz. Write me a short essay. Go. Why am I I'm blanking? I don't know <laughs> why I'm blanking on what we talked about last week. Uh, well, we mainly just talked about uh, we talked about uh, Kathleen and like where she's from. Mm -hmm. She's from um, uh, was it Virginia? Nope. Oh man. Oh, she was born in Greensboro. Yes. And then um, she was. Oh man, this is gonna bug me. <laughs> I can't. Pennsylvania. Uh, Lancaster. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, home of the Amish, and um, we talked about, you know, that she worked for, um, briefly, we talked about that she was, like, a, um executive for Nortel, mm -hmm. um, and uh, she married Michael in 98? 96. 96. I believe. I believe it was 96. It was, yeah, somewhere around that time. Um, I'll have to double check. Yeah. Pretty close. But that's kind of where all everything, I feel like, like, I know there was a lot more, but that's where, like, kind of my brain goes through right now. <laughs> yeah, so we, we basically just kind of um, did a short little intro into Kathleen as a person, um, and then we ended with um, talking about what the scene looked like. So we found her at the bottom of the stairs. Right. Uh, Michael had called 911 twice, uh, which... I couldn't get the 911 call to be get embedded. There was weird, um, there's a weird way to do it now. Um, and I can't get the full 911 call um, for either one of them. You can listen to them online, um, but there's a, I didn't want to edit it to pieces because I wanted it to, you guys listen to a whole. Um, yeah. So I didn't want to tamper with it too much. So go look it up for yourself. It's in all of the documentaries. It's not a secret. Um, I just wasn't able to do it correctly, um, and I didn't want to butcher it. So. Yeah. All right. You ready to get into it for today? Yeah. Okay, so today we're going to start getting into a little bit more of the background of the family um, and kind of talk about some things that the documentary and um, HBO series both hit on. I found out a couple more things that neither one of them really talked about, and I'll see if you catch what they are um, because you've watched it. Um, and I 
we're, we're still not getting completely into exactly what happened yet. We're going to save that for the next episode. Sorry, guys. But I feel like this needs to be said is a little bit more of the background so you understand more when we go into the trial, which will be the next episode. I'm hoping to keep that as one episode and then we'll talk about our theories at the end. This may turn into a five part instead of a four part um, just because the trial is so messy. Yeah. And then there was a retrial and then there was a um eventually he signed an affidavit so um there was th there's a lot that happened so i feel like there it could take up too but you guys let me know I'll put a poll at the end of this you can let me know how you feel about four or five parts yeah it's just that you know it'll be like a mini series you yeah. know in 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 our for the podcast so it just yeah. kind of there's so much like she said there's so much that happened that you really you don't want to gloss over any of it because there's these little minute details that are in there that play a key role later on. So, like, you want to make sure you get every little kernel of information in there because if you don't, it won't make sense later on when you right. get to the trial. And like you said, like... I'm still going to leave that, some of so. the twisty-turning things for the trial. Yeah. But um, that, that's why it's going to be such a long thing. Right. And I do want to point out, we talk about the documentary and the HBO series. We've talked about that a lot. They are very skewed, you know, like the HBO documentary was in favor of Michael, and I think the, I mean, the documentary was in favor of Michael. Yeah. Um, and the HBO documentary, I think, is doing a good job of showing both sides, but it still seems to have this undertone of bias. Yeah. Um, so they have really good information, and they're a really good starting point if you're just getting into this case, but also take it with a grain of salt, because you've got to look at who produced it and where they got their information. Um, and what happens later. Right. So we'll get into that again when we get to the trial and we get into the aftermath. So um, just keep an open mind if you are listening and watching um, those in the meantime um, while you're waiting on our episodes. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and get into it. You ready? Oh, yeah. All right, so Michael Peterson is who we're mostly focusing on on this episode. We're going to talk about his family um, and we're going to particularly start with Patty. I felt like she was a good place to start. So Patty was his first wife. They, Kathleen and Mike were both married before, as we kind of touched on with Kathleen. She was married um, and had Caitlin. Michael was married to Patricia Sue Peterson, or she goes by Patty, so I'll probably just call her that. Um, she was just 23 when they got married, which is funny that the, all the articles say just 23. I was... I was 23 when we got married. Yeah. I don't know. I guess to me it's not just 23. I look at that as like just 18. <laughs> like that here or whatever. When you said yeah, it was just it's kinda, in front of it. Yeah, but it's definitely weird, yeah. Yeah, whatever. I guess it's just like, I. yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, like I'm young, then, but like I'm not that young. But they were, And they were married in 86, right? No, they were married in 66. In 66. Back then that was a normal age to get married. Yeah, my grandmother was married in 70... Seventy or uh, six, sixty-nine or seventy. So a couple years later, she was in high school, yeah. and that was the norm. So yeah. that was that was funny to me. And going through this is that it was like she was just twenty-three, right. and I guess nowadays people are getting married later. Yeah. Um, but we're still talking about the South. This is North Carolina, right. so she was. You know, the the South has always married off young, um, yeah, either sure. just at a, you know senior high school or just out of high school anything after that you're an old babe right. so anyway 23 she was 23 in um 1966 
she they got married in Fort Bel Belvere, B E L B Belvere. Yeah, sure, in Virginia. Um, Patty was actually born in Paris, Arkansas, to a military family, so she kind of traveled a lot. She was an undergrad at the University of Texas at Austin, and she got her master's from UNC Chapel Hill. In, in for either education or English, it's different depending on who you talk to. Um, and the what I got a lot of my information from was actually from an interview with Clayton. So he was like, it's either education or English. I don't really know, <laughs> which is funny because he had no idea what his mother had a degree in. Um, and it was yeah. a master's degree, so I don't know. Right. It's different if it's an undergrad. It's like undergrads and whatever. But um, yeah, so um, it's either education or English. When she and Michael got married, Michael joined the Marine Corps and moved um, Patty and the, the, the two of them just moved to Durham. That's where they had Clayton and Todd, which are their two sons. I put Caton in my um, <laughs> <laughs> in my notes for some reason. But anyway, so I didn't know this. Patty is the one who got a job for the U.S. Department of Defense in Germany, where she taught elementary school for the U.S. military families for 30 or 35 years. I'm not even going to... At, at, at Rhein Main Air Base in... Mm-hmm. In Germany. I'm going to say Grafenhausen. Sure. That sounds right. But I didn't know she's the one who got the job for Germany. Yeah, I always thought... It was Michael. Off the, yeah, I always thought that it was because of his military... And then background. we'll get into him in a minute because I want to get into the kids first a yeah. little bit and then we'll kind of end with Michael um, because that's a whole thing. Um, but, yeah, she's the one who got the got the job um, for the U.S. Defense, uh, Department of Defense. So I hmm. thought that was interesting. Um, I didn't, I just, yeah, fun no. fact. Um, they separated in the 80s. I found where it just says the 80s, I've seen where it says 85, which is an important year for you guys to remember for later on. We'll not touch upon it on this episode. That will definitely be next. Yeah. Um, but remember 85. Um, they divorced after 30 years of marriage. They weren't divorced, though, until 1994. Which happens a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah Especially because I mean, they lived separate. Like, he came back to the States and yeah. she lived in Germany and... Yeah, I mean, yeah. people all the time get separated and try to make it work or try and figure out what they have to do, and especially with having two kids living in two different, you know, countries, and right. there's a lot of stuff you got to figure out, you know? Right. So, in 1985, Patty and, Ka um, Patty and Michael got custody of their friend's two little girls. Um, while living in Germany, there was another military family who these girls were orphaned. They did get custody of them in 85. So, again, remember 85. That's going to come back in the next episode as well. Um, she actually died last year um, in July of 2021 of a heart attack. She was 78 wow. years old. Um, Clayton reports that she was actually living with Michael. Um, right. They were living in an apartment together. They were just really good friends, yeah. um, and they took care of each other. And that's something you'll notice is common in, in the story. She kind of comes back. She but comes she's, back. she's yeah. very close to the family. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And then you li you, you're married for, what, 30, 30 years. years, and you have two kids together. I mean, yeah. it's... It's they were always in contact. So. Yeah, exactly, yeah. She seems like a really great, wonderful human. She's very eclectic, mm -hmm. um, and she's. I would love to be her friend, uh, or I would have loved to be her friend. I would have loved to meet her and talk to her. She yeah. just was a very interesting, very vibrant lady. Yeah. And also, I don't know, I mean, like, like you know, you've done the research, but 
you know, I don't know if we'll get into it, but she also helped out Michael a lot mm. over the years mm -hmm. with a lot of things financially and all that. Especially with the boys. With the boys and all that. So yeah, that's a big. That she she had a big part in in his yeah, life. Yeah, it wasn't like they got divorced. Yes, the boys moved to Durham with their dad, but they lived in Germany for a while with their mom. Yeah. Then moved to Durham, and then they never lost contact with mom. Yeah. Um, it, she was always helping. She always had a hand in it. Like I said, she's a little out there, or she was a little out there. Yeah. Rest in peace, Patty. Uh, we have no quarrels with Patty. No. Um, she she was she was cool. Um, yeah. There's just not a whole ton known about her. Right. Um, outside, it's funny that like even the interviews with her sons, they're like, I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's boys too. I feel like your sister knows more about your mom than you do. I mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough call. I guess it's a stereotype, but yeah, I don't sorry. know. I mean. Because I feel like you'd be closer to your dad. Like, you would know more about your dad and his interests. Than... Maybe, but I also lived with my mom's parents yeah. for, you know, the first 10 years of my life, 10, 11 years of my life. So, I mean, um, I mean, like, we lived in the same right. house. So, that was, you know, I, I knew a little bit more. So, I don't know. It's probably a good, it's maybe like 60-40. Maybe. Well, I it's not a big deal, but your sister is always on the phone with your mom. Well, yeah, that's nowadays. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know stereotypes again. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna move on from Patty. So that was just a little intro into her. Now we're gonna get into Clayton. Oh, we love Clayton. Um, he's he's interesting. Um, he is the oldest son of Patty and Michael. He uh, and Todd lived with Patty in West Germany after the divorce for a few years. Again, that was kind of conflicting. I didn't really see an interview from them, and I don't think it really matters. They moved back to Durham for college, so they weren't um, in Germany. You know, th I think they were there the beginning of high school, maybe end of high school, and then came for college. It doesn't really matter. Um, not an integral part of the story, but it, we'll touch on it a little bit. He attended Duke University. Um, in his freshman year um, at Duke University, he lost his fake ID, so he broke into Duke and he stole $1,700 worth of equipment to make a new one for a Myrtle Beach trip, which anybody who knows anything about Myrtle Beach, it's Dirty Myrtle. Um, nobody wants to go there. Um, that is from the area. <laughs> it, right. It's very touristy. There's a very high crime rate. It's interesting that he's going to choose Myrtle Beach, <laughs> uh, but also not surprising because... I feel like all of the, like, college-age people want to go to Myrtle Beach because there's a lot of bars, there's a lot of yeah, a um, lot of things to do, even though it's not super safe. And back then, it wasn't really super safe. Brittany Drexel is an example. Um, yeah. That happened later, you know, in, in years later, but um, just to kind of give you an idea of how Myrtle Beach is. So... Um, when he stole that equipment, he planted a pipe bomb in the administrative building, the main administrative building at Duke. Um, he claims it was rigged to not detonate, and it was just a distraction from him stealing all of the things, as if, like, <laughs> like the people would just look at the bomb and not think about all the other things that he stole. Right. Um, I'm going to give you a quote from the News and Record. It says, he left the administrative building... He, I'm sorry, as he left the administration building, he lit the fuse on a small pipe bomb submerged in a quart jar of gasoline. He also left a note in the building's basement that condemned administrators for prohibiting kegs of beer at campus parties. Um, and at the time, he um, 
what, like I said, he was a freshman, um, and he was going to be kicked out for a drunk driving charge at 19 years old. Um, so he's <laughs> upset about the alcohol, man. Yeah. Um, this is another quote from Refinery29. It says, The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives later searched the Peterson home, and they found six more assembled explosive devices hidden in the attic. Did not know about that. No. I knew we we found out that there was the one in the administration build, administrative building. There were six more. Um, so, ouch. This is a quote from Michael that I will go ahead and tell you. It says, I think that was the most painful thing that happened to me. This is not how I planned to spend my 50s, going to visit my son in the pen. This is when he was talking about it in 1996. This is before what happened to Kathleen. Um, I'll never get over that. He said, they hammered him. He did something wrong. There's no question. He should have been punished, but it was pretty excessive. My feelings for Duke have changed. Um, what Another interesting fact is David Rudolph was initially looked at for Clayton to be a lawyer mm -hmm. in this in this case, really? yes, and he even met with uh, both boys and Michael, and he thinks Kathleen was there, but he said he couldn't be sure, because it was just a brief like interview meeting, yeah. and it was before all of this. He ended up going with somebody else, um, and Clayton spent four years in federal federal prison, and then he went to uh, North Carolina State University, graduated with honors, and then valedictorian of his class. Um, he had an engineering degree. He's brilliant, but didn't use his smarts for good back in the way back. Um, he now lives with his wife, Becky, in Baltimore with his two sons. Um, so he ended up living a great life, but just giving you a little bit of insight into what happened in Michael's life. He's already had to deal with um, David Rudolph, who we will get into later on as well. Yeah, it's wild. Like I, I mean, obviously, what he did was a big deal, but I, yeah. I didn't realize how... I didn't realize he spent four years in a federal penitentiary. Yes. Like, that's... They talk about it as spring break in the HBO documentary. And I think in the, in the documentary... I think they mentioned it, yeah. I think they just said but they call it, They basically call it the spring break incident. Right. Um, um, they didn't see it as a big deal, which I think is a reoccurring theme in Michael's life. He brushes things off. Yeah. Um, as we'll see with some of these other things um, going on. But, yeah, he... You, you'll start to realize as you go along that... Michael has this, um, they're out to get me mentality. Always. Oh, always. Yes. And so it's, it's one of the things that like you see, you'll see as we get along, like some of the differing opinions between the two of us, but that's one thing that I will say that throughout the entirety of the situation looks bad for him is that he always has this feeling like somebody's out to get him. Mm -hmm. Somebody's, you know, trying to do him wrong. And that doesn't look good for you when you're fighting. Yeah. When you're fighting off, you know, a murder conviction. Yeah, no, and like I said, Clayton is interesting. I think they did a good job with the HBO um, series of yeah. um, kind of portraying him, but I really didn't know that. Um, yeah, I wish like both the so documentary and, and HBO went into it more. Cause, like, it was actually pretty hard to find things. Yeah. Um, I found a few articles, and of course um, both of the schools kind of wrote about it in different times, um, especially mm -hmm. after the conviction. Um, for Michael, um, it got brought back up about Clayton. I think people look over it because nothing did happen, but I did read somewhere, and I should have wrote, wrote it down, but some one of the um, articles mentioned that one of the people uh, looking over like the bomb itself said it could have killed 
almost everybody on campus because it's a very extensive pipe bomb. Um, Jeez. I don't know how true that is, though, because reading other articles, other people said, like, it would have killed everybody in the building versus everybody in the school. That's a huge school. So it wasn't yeah, a big like enough. Yeah, I kind I can understand the building. Maybe if they, maybe they meant with all six. If maybe. he had put them in different places. Uh, or I guess that would have been seven because he had six at home on one that he right. planted. Um, so that could be possible. Um, I never really saw any interviews or any explanation as to why he had so many. Um, my guess would be that he just wanted to perfect it to make sure it didn't actually explode before putting it in there because he doesn't seem like the kind that was actually out to get somebody. Like he doesn't, he's not a very violent person. All of his things had to do with like DUIs and stealing things to make a um, fake ID. Mm-hmm. Um, Another reoccurring theme uh, for the kids in Michael's life is they all struggle with mental health issues, and a yeah. lot of them, um, you know, looking back as hindsight being twenty twenty, you have kids who have been in very traumatic situations um, that will, especially Mary and Margaret. I keep her. I keep calling her Mary. Her name is not Mary. Her name is Martha. <laughs> Wrong Jesus sister. <laughs> but. Um, not Jesus' sister, but whatever. I can't think today. Um, but anyway, yeah. they The boys have always said that their dad was very, very tough on him. Um, if you look at it today, you may think it was kind of abusive. He did believe in, like, capital punishment, and that right. was very not looked on today, like, as anything good. Um, he was very, very strict with the boys. Yeah. Um, and... I think that had to do with a lot of how the boys thought about things and how their respect for their dad changed throughout the years. Um, And some of the things that they did, you know, Clayton acting out um, was definitely, we could see now, a cry for attention, but at the time, um, was just not really looked on that way. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, so now we're going to get into Todd. Todd has even less about him. Um, Todd first was the first one to arrive on the scene um of kathleen's death um he was the one to say that kathleen's death was alcohol related it was nobody else he said once he got there was she drinking um and then then michael was like oh she might have had one more to drink you know it was but it wasn't michael who said that initially it was todd um in todd's recollection recollection of events kathleen told him that people have one relationship in their mid-20s to mid-30s, another in their mid-40s to 50s, and a third in their 60s, which lasts the rest of their lives, which is really interesting um, because he posted this on Instagram like two years ago when mm-hmm. somebody mentioned that he was that Michael was living with Patty again, and he was like, he basically, the way that the post read was like, he wouldn't work out with Kathleen very much longer anyway. <laughs> um so it was very not a good um, post. He ended up deleting it. Um, I mean, yeah, that's not a good thing. It wasn't good at all. Um, but of course, things live on the internet forever. Um, right. So yeah, he's he's an interesting character. He was always one for mommy and daddy will get back together, and I guess they did in the end, um, or at least they lived together in the end. Um, he now lives in Tennessee, um, and there that's about it that I know for Todd. Um, he really didn't live a super. Um, in the media life, um, right. so there wasn't a whole lot to report about him. Um, of the girls, so I mentioned a little earlier that they adopted their friends, two girls, Margaret and Martha Ratcliffe. 
Margaret was the oldest, and she was the one that introduced Kathleen to Michael because she was friends with Caitlin. So when oh, I yeah, didn't know that. they went to school together, I think, um, and she was like, hey, my friend um, Caitlin has a mom named Kathleen, you like her, and so Michael and Kathleen met that way. Wow. Yeah, um, she now lives in California, and Martha um, is the younger sister, she lives in Colorado. I'm going to keep the rest of their stuff for the next episode because it comes into play later, right. um, but that's kind of where they are now. Um, and then, like I said earlier, Caitlin is Kathleen's biological daughter. So, any questions so far? No. Okay. <laughs> All right, now we're going to get into Michael, okay? Mm. I didn't know that he and Kathleen lived together for 14 years. Mm. Because they had only been married, like, five, I think, at the time of her death. But they had been living together for 14 years. Wow. So when he moved back to Durham, he moved in with her. So that's why when you see the HBO documentary, I think it was Todd who... I know it was Clayton who said to Kathleen, well, you know that you were treating with my dad uh, when he was still married to my mom. Um, They were separated. um, And as far as I can tell, they were separated. They didn't even live in the same country when he was living with Kathleen. So, I I mean, I don't know about an affair. I'm not going to go too far because I feel like Kathleen wouldn't have been the one to get into an affair with a married man. He was separated, and yes, he should have been divorced. I can also see how messy that gets. And she yeah. has already been divorced, too, so I think she also understood that. And it wasn't like Patty lived next door. He's come knocking on the door <laughs> every few minutes. Right, yeah. <laughs> she didn't live anywhere near. So, but I didn't know that. No, yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so Michael was a Vietnam vet. Um, he was born in Nashville, Tennessee on October 23rd, 1943. Mm. Um, he went to UNC Chapel Hill for political science, and he was president of Sigma Nu. She, he was the article from 19... He, he was the article. <laughs> he, was, he was the editor um, in 1964 to 1965 of the Chronicle for UNC Chapel Hill. Then he went to Duke for law school, so it's funny that he... Went to hmm. both schools. Um, those are very big rivals. I also didn't realize he went to law school. Yes. That's that's a new one for me. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. So is it okay? Yeah. Again, we're not getting into our theories, but yeah. we'll talk later. Um, but yes, he went to, he went to law school. Um, he got a civilian job also with the U.S. Department of Defense, and he was assigned to research arguments supporting increased military involvement in Vietnam. He was never supposed to like, really. Um, go be involved with anything he got in to be the arguer um or be kind of like a lawyer it seems to be that's the track he was looking for he wasn't wanting to be hands-on right. um but in the 1968 he went into the marines um and he did go to vietnam and, but in 1971 he was honorably discharged due to a car accident leaving him permanently disabled i couldn't find a whole lot about a disability because it changes depending on who you talk to and at the time he was in okinawa when that happened we're getting into that yeah um so that was 19 that was only three years that he served um as a marine um he ran for mayor um in duke in duke um in durham um, in 1999, he claims that he was awarded a silver star, a bronze star with valor, and two purple hearts. He had all the medals, but none of the documentation that goes along with them. And he claimed that that purple heart came after being hit by a shrapnel, after um, after sh- another shoulder standed uh, standed stepped on a landmine, uh, 
and the other was when he was shot. Neither of those things happened. Um, he later admitted that the war injury, quote-unquote, was um, not the result of any of that, but it was because of a car accident in Japan. Mm. Um, and that's where he was stationed after the war as a military policeman. <laughs> so, very different. Yeah. Very, very different. Um, and he, I mean, he was called out. People, when he was running for mayor, were like, excuse me, um, proof. And he said, can't, can't give it to you. Um, um, the Raleigh, North Carolina News and Observer said records did not contain any mention of the two Purple Hearts that Peterson said he had received. And mm. um, the other medals couldn't get a clear answer on. Um, he may have gotten them. He was honorably discharged, but not for the reasons that he said. Um, he wrote three novels based quote-unquote, around his experiences during the Viet Vietnamese conflict. Um, right. And it's called, one's called The Immortal Dragon, one is A Time of War, and one is A Bitter Peace. He also co-wrote the biographical Charlie Two Shoes and the Marines of Love Company um, with journalist David Perlmutt and co-wrote Operation Broken Road with Lieutenant Colonel Arthur L. Boyd. Um, he, and then he worked um, as a newspaper columnist for the Durham Herald Sun. Um, and his, he, that's where he started talking um, very critically of the district attorney, James Harden Jr., um, which is interesting because Harden later goes on oh, to yeah. be the prosecutor for um, Peterson's murder trial. Right. So we got a lot going on here. Just to recap, he didn't get any of his medal. We don't know that he got any of his medals that he says that he got. Yeah, there's, He's a there's big like, fat liar, liar, pants on fire. Right. There's definitely, there's a hundred percent certainty he didn't get Purple Hearts. Mm -hmm. There is, though, there is a possibility that he did get the silver and bronze stars. But, right. again, there's no documentation that that actually happened. He also wrote three books for the three years that he was in service. And one of them, he was a policeman in Japan. So, yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. Right. Yeah. Um, I haven't read his books. I do not want to give him money. Um, so, yeah. I'm not going to read his books. If I can find it for free, maybe. But I don't foresee that happening. Yeah. And it wasn't It wasn't crucial to my research for this. So, I didn't do so. Um, so, we said earlier, um, you know, that he, you know, I we've, well, we've kind of talked about it. He was charged with murder of Kathleen. Um, he turned himself in um, on December 20th, 2001, and she died on the 9th, correct? I think so. Yes, yeah, December 9th, yep. Mm -hmm. um, so, not too long, um, he turned himself in. He very quickly had hired David Rudolph, um, who we mentioned before. I had always wondered how he came across him so quickly, but I guess now we know. He had talked to him from Clayton. Um, his brother and... His brother, yeah, is, his brother Bob. Bob is yeah. a lawyer and kind of pushed him in the direction of um, David Rudolph. Yeah. And in all honesty, David Rudolph is a pretty good lawyer. No, yeah. If you're going to hire anybody, I, I would hire him. He is expensive, and that comes to be a thing later on. Um, but he did a, a pretty good job. I'm not going to lie. No, yeah. I mean, in, in all honesty, like... When you're given a case like it this... It came down to like a couple... We'll talk obviously talk about it when yeah. he gets to the trial, but... It really came down to a couple crucial things that got him where he is or where he was, you know. And I don't but, even think it was David's fault. I no, think you're, exactly. When you're, when you're arguing, I mean, I guess we could touch on it real quick. The the 
The trial itself is a um, cluster F. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. There's a lot going on. There was, um, we'll just give a brief overview. Um, the state's case was very much made to fit a very specific narrative where mm-hmm. if they had kind of broadened it up a little bit, I think they would have had a stronger case. Um, and the defense was defending the state's case so or defending against the state's case. Right. So they were trying everything that they could to prove against the state. And in some respects, I think that they did a good job with that, but they also didn't give a super great alternative, which, you know, I think that's kind of how the jury was. Both scenarios were plausible but neither one of them argued better than the other um it just kind of came down to really sheer luck in the end of it to be yeah. honest with you i like that's how i feel um so yeah do you want to have any comment about that at all yeah no i mean it it honestly when i look at the trial i mean a lot of it was i i kind of in my head it really feels like it's the same way how the trial went with a non. There was a lot of there's, um, there's a lot of similarities. A lot of similarities. The state didn't have a lot to go off of. Right. There was a lot of circumstantial evidence, a lot of stuff that they couldn't one hundred percent connect, even though there was some stuff in there that you could look at as, you know, makes him look bad. But there was a, there was a lot of circumstantial evidence that that they had against Michael that somehow they were able to, you know, get a conviction out of right but i i definitely think in the in the totality of like their case it was it was rough yeah to say the least so um i feel like if this had happened nowadays like if, even though this was only if they had argued the exact same point today i don't think it would have no, ever well no 100 um, not and we'll explain why on the next episode right. but um at, but at the time given what we and when, given what we know now, um, I think they did what they, what they could what they had. Um, and they used things to their advantage that they shouldn't have, morally speaking, I think. Right. But at the same time, you know, there is an element to some of the things that we'll talk about that is important. Oh, yeah. Um, they just could have been done better. Um, and at the time, it was great. Nowadays... Would not be morally acceptable no. in a court of law. No, no, yeah. no, no. You no. would definitely see a lot of pushback in the media. Yeah. And even from, like, probably the judicial system would not take probably. what the state threw out And there. I'm not saying what they did was correct. I'm just saying that, like, yeah. You, I don't know how you could punish somebody at that time for what they did. Um, now I can definitely see it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. Right. Yeah, so um, that's just a little aside of the trial. Um after he hired David Rudolph, he was David Rudolph was contacted by a film crew out of France mm-hmm. um, to come and just document what happened, which is how we got the documentary of the yeah. staircase, which has always been super weird to me. Well, initially they had talked about the reason why they were doing the documentary was they were initially doing a documentary about the American justice system. I know. And they were going to focus on a couple different um cases i'm not talking about the film crew yeah they're, they're not weird to me them trying to find a case just to cover from start right. to finish i think that's brilliant on their end i'm not arguing that what i'm arguing is that michael peterson as a human as we know so far i'm not even going to give away any more details but as we know so far he is 
he's a divorced man who is living with somebody before he was actually mm, legally divorced. Right, wrong, indifferent. This is what we know. He also lied about very, very important yeah. sacred things that come down to those awards. Um, and, yeah. and he's a big old weenie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, then he's like, okay, you want a film crew to come come look at me? Come look at me. And he was, he was very... Well, I, it's just, he's... You're, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it more and you'll see it more. He's just a very pompous, full of himself he human is, being. He is, and I don't like it. And I, I don't know. think it helped his case. No, um, yeah, definitely not. I, I, I can't imagine somebody who is innocent being, you know, being charged with their spouse's murder, being like, yes, come feel me and my family during the entirety of this. Come look at us laughing and eating dinner and doing this, and I'm just, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. If they were right. innocent, I can't see it happening. Now, if they're guilty, I could see it being, look at how great I am, but see, let me try to change your mind. Um, but you could you could, you could could say it as to play devil's advocate here, like I'm going to be in a lot of these episodes. It is possible that somebody like that maybe he maybe he felt like he had nothing to hide and that's true i just don't think that he well, there's so much that comes out in the trial right. i don't think he wanted to be public that i i think that he's so arrogant to yeah. think that if i do this i hide what i want to hide and then you know i get to portray my side the way that i want to portray it and that's i think how he took it, and I and I thought it was just weird. I just I think it's super weird. Um, no, I, yeah, I get it. I I, I don't like it. Um, on January fourteenth, two thousand and two, so a little over, you know, about a month later, um, he was released on bond with an eight hundred and fifty thousand dollar bond. Um, and that's where we'll kind of stop. Um, we haven't gotten very far. I know that, but. I feel like it helps to get your background um, as much as I can about the family, kind of touching on Clayton's spring break incident, right. um, and kind of giving you an insight as to what they've already went through with the judicial system, um, and Michael's view on it. I think that was important, which was that quote that he thought that Clayton was punished too much um, for having a pipe bomb in a school building. Um, I understand, like, if he had just stolen, you know, the stuff to make a fake ID four years in federal prison, I, I can see as a parent being like, meh, that's a little much. But he planted a pipe bomb, guys. That's that's yeah. pretty bad. Because um, what if it had detonated? Right. That could have really, really hurt people. Um, or and probably killed people. So, um, yeah. I just, I mean, as a parent, I think I can understand. I just don't know that I would ever say that publicly. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'd always want my kid home. But I don't know that I, I as a public figure, would go, yeah, four years is too much for my son who wanted to plant a bomb. So, yeah. Anything else you want to touch on? No, I, I definitely think it's going to be... There's going to be a lot of stuff just, like, to, you know, really go through. And, and there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to be like, what? Like, yes. what? what is that? And there's going to be a lot of, like, just things that just don't make sense. Right. But I think overall, it, it's just... It's a, it's a really interesting case. And... Yeah. I think you'll see as we go along and get closer to the trial that there's 
a lot of stuff not on the surface. Right. So. So, yeah, guys, I think that's where we'll leave you. Yeah. Um, and next week we will talk about the trial. I'm going to try to leave out the things that are, not leave out, but, like, not super to get stuck on the things that are super common knowledge um kind of you know some of the bigger things um like the fact that i mean obviously he was found guilty <laughs> i don't want to spend too much time talking about that i do right. want to talk about some of the nitty-gritty details that we'll get into um that aren't 100 percent covered in the documentary or the hbo series um just to kind of give you the full scope of what happened uh, during the trial because um there's definitely two for sure major things that we're going to talk about and then some of the little minor things that were brought up that might um help solidify your thoughts one way or another um yeah yeah definitely no it's 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 uh it's some uh interesting stuff for sure so there's plenty that we will be able to talk about even if we leave out the stuff that is very common. And I'm not even really going to leave them out. I'm just not going to spend 17 years talking right, about it. Right, exactly. So, so yeah. Um, let us know what you guys think. You know, again, I know that this is not normally what we do, but, you know, if it's, you know, it's it's it's, it's crucial to this story that we tell it in parts so that we don't just gloss over certain parts of it and put it all into one jumbled up hour episode i will have a little breakup episodes i have two guests coming on on two separate episodes so um, relatively soon we're getting that scheduled so you'll have a little bit of a breakup from the kathleen peterson yeah. case i'm also working on another case that i haven't told you about oh. you already know the case but i'm working on research for it um so right. that one day i'm just gonna be like boom it's, right. it's a special one and i'm working on one for the patreon so if you haven't signed up for patreon go ahead and get on there yeah. um we will start um another I'm thinking another mini series on the Patreon. Maybe mm -hmm. we'll find a good yeah. case. I have one in mind um, that we could talk about. Um, but until then, we will. Yeah. Oh, do we have any more business? To talk I don't about? think we really actually had anything this week. I think it's just more of a just preparing, showing you guys what we got coming up, and you know, just uh, be prepared for. Um, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff for <laughs> sure. So um, yeah. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, give us your feedback. Uh, email is podcast.case.close at gmail.com. Uh, let us know about that. Follow us on Instagram at podcastcaseclosed. Yep, good job. Um, and uh, on Facebook, we're Case Closed. Question mark. Question mark. And the photo is still a non. It is still a non. Still a non. Um, but, uh, yeah, follow us on there. Give us feedback. Let us know what you think suggest any cases you want us to cover in the future yes. anything like that we're always up for that stuff because we got plenty of stuff that we we plenty of cases we want to cover yeah and plenty of you know things we look into but there's also some things that slip through that we don't see so yeah uh i guess with that i think that's it for this week huh yeah all right it. we will see you guys next time bye peace information presented in this podcast will be cited in the show notes. Music for Case Close composed by Catastrophic Jones. 
Editing by Olivia McDonald. Case Close is produced by Sean and Olivia McDonald.